Hello again, and thanks for coming to the We Work Weekends with Warren podcast. As always, this is the podcast that interviews people who normally work on the weekends. I am Warren with Balloon Fun. I am a full-time balloon twister from Saskatoon. All of the contact information for my show, this show and my guests will be in the show notes. Today, I am very happy to have a full-time performer who specializes in children's entertainment, comedy, magic, and puppets. This fellow is from Lumsden, Saskatchewan. We have Vice President of Ring 309, Danny Kazam. Hey, thank you very much, Warren. Well, Danny, I've met you a few times. I, I kind of think it's almost been a year since I've seen you, and it'll probably be a bit longer uh, with the COVID here. But I've uh, got two questions for you. Let's start with the you're the vice president of Ring 309. You'll have to educate some of us non-magicians what that means. Okay, that's the international, excuse me, <clears throat> the International Brotherhood of Magicians. It's the uh, one of the world's largest brotherhood of magicians, and it has uh, members in 88 countries. So it's pretty wow. prestigious. And um, I want to kind of give a shout out to our members uh, with, uh, of course, starting with Chester McBain, who's our president, and Jamie O'Brien, Kobe uh, Kruzaniz, uh, he's going to kill me for this, uh, Cruz uh, Zilnicki, sorry, Kobe, wow. uh, Jason Dixon, uh, she's the premier Canadian's uh, female mentalist. We got Trip Coleman, we got Keith Byers, Keegan Duck, Curtis Anderson, Alan Borello, Kent Wong, and Richard Roy. And, um, you know, just last in October, we did some, uh, we did a charity event for the Wawa Shriners and we raised over uh, $10,000 for them. So, um, yeah, so a big shout out to all the members here of the IBM International Brotherhood of Magicians, 309. Wow. So, so you, you uh, Rich, Richie Roy is, is in that, is he? Uh, yeah, he is. Yeah. Okay. He was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, oh. he was talking about all of the stuff he's doing down in Weyburn. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's, he's keeping it busy over there. Yeah, he seems to be doing well. He's got a great uh, video game show kind of going on. At least that's, I can't remember how many more episodes he said he had before he was trying to do something else. But uh, anyway, let's talk about you. The other question I have, Danny, I've never met anyone with the last name of Kazam. Mm-hmm. So is awesome that your real name? last name? <laughs> it is. It's not. It's not my uh, my real last name. No, my last name's Bernier. But um, yeah, I almost uh, but, might even change it legally to Kazam if my kids are okay with it. <laughs> well, then they can be Kazam as well for sure. That's yeah. interesting. No, I've like lots of stage names, of course. So, um, so how long have you been an entertainer? Well, <laughs> technically, all my life, I think. But professionally, I started about ten years ago. And, okay. uh, yeah, gave up my painting company to basically follow my dream and live it. So were you painting, obviously you were painting full time. Was it your company or were you working for somebody? Yeah, it was my company. I started out in Calgary there and, uh, be honest with you, a lot of it had to do with just because of timing. So, uh, the big boom that happened in Calgary was, uh, a nice thing to have happened, especially for, people like me in the industry and the con uh, you know, construction industry and stuff. So we moved out here and we wanted a slower pace of life and we definitely got it. We, we love living here in Saskatchewan, 
will never move away. And uh, yeah. Well, why why Lumsden? Are you tied in there in any way? Well, uh, because when we first came looking for a house from Calgary, and we came here to, we had about seven houses that we were to look at in Regina. And uh, things were starting to happen here in Saskatchewan as far as the boom. And so there was starting to be bidding wars on houses that were falling apart. We couldn't believe some of the terrible houses that we were looking at. So we, we were mm -hmm. pretty sad. We'd already sold our house in Calgary. And then the next day, the realtor called us up. And he was like, well, we got this other place, but I don't know if you're going to like it. It's 20 minutes out of town. I was like, okay, this guy's obviously never been to Calgary because 20 minutes driving, mm -hmm. nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, and then suddenly we're coming down this hill, and I'm like, what? There's a valley in Saskatchewan? And I'm like, I hope he doesn't go up the other end. And sure enough, he drove into Lums, and I thought, it's a valley. Okay, we're, we, we want it. So we didn't even really have to see it. We were already pretty much convinced. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's beautiful out here. So, so you've been you've been in in Lumsden for eight years or for ten years? Been out here now for thirteen, close to thirteen years now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you were painting in Saskatchewan as well? Yes, I was. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Interesting. So, right from painting, then you just closed the shop or closed the business, and and almost stepped right into full time entertaining. By the sounds of things. Pretty much. I was in my 40s. I was in my very early 40s and already for about a year had been thinking about my life. I mean, I got so many things to be thankful for. I got a wonderful wife. I got two beautiful kids and uh, uh, so many other things going for me. But it, it was like something that was eating at me because all my life I've wanted to be an entertainer. I've been sort of an entertainer in the sense of entertaining people. But, you know, mm -hmm. there was you know, a background in in uh, in uh, with, you know, taking some acting courses, doing some uh, extra stuff with television, doing theater work that, uh, you know, I just said to myself, because I wasn't really that happy with what I was doing. And it was financially, you know, great in that, in that way, but I just wasn't happy. And, and so I realized it was because I, I wasn't doing what I was really wanting to do, which was to, to go out and entertain. And, and so when I decided that that's what was going to happen for me, I had to look at where my skills were and the things that I'd learned throughout the years and uh, what I could use and, and um, so put everything together. And I realized that the best place for me to be was as a children's entertainer. And I, that was the only thing I was going to focus on. It's the only thing I really do focus on and concentrate on because uh, I love it. I love working with the children and uh, I have a you know, special place in my heart with the kids. I can relate with the kids really, uh, uh, really good with the kids and so uh, it was a perfect yeah, well, obviously I, I know you're I, yeah I know you're really good with the kids I've seen you uh as I uh Dude, the one thanks. thing I've noticed about your show is is you you seem to enjoy having a bit more uh, on stage interaction than some of the other performers and what I mean by that is it seems every time I look up on stage when I'm working and you're working you've got another kid helping you do your very next performance or your next trick, or your next skit, or whatever it is. Um, is that just the way, am I just looking at the right time, or am I looking at the wrong time? I see a different kid every 
every minute and a half up there almost. <laughs> I'm pretty close to it. Yeah, I do use a lot of children. And even when I don't have a child on stage, I'm getting everybody in the audience to get involved as well, too. I'm not shy to make everybody do it again if I see that people aren't participating. And especially the adults, sometimes they think they can hide in the back. But I always remind them that this isn't YouTube that I can see them. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I enjoy having the kids up there and I know that that's what I see them. And sometimes what I have is after the show, I have a child that comes up to me and they say, but you didn't pick me. And, and in all fairness, it breaks my heart. And I, I wish I could mm -hmm. go in ha another half hour just so I can bring more kids up there with me. So I try to bring up as many as I can. And when, uh, when I can, I'll, interact i'm always interacting with the audience but get everybody in the audience to be doing something as well too so it's important for me because i want to empower the children and i don't want them to think that um there's an adult with them i want them to be you know instead of them trying to look up to me i come down and look equal with them and we just have a lot of fun mm -hmm. smiles on their faces well, it's like awesome yeah the the interesting thing about you and i when it's dealing with children is we don't have to bend down very far to look a child right in the eyes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. As uh, I remember uh, myself uh, entertaining, and I've, I've said this a line quite a bit, but uh, you know, some, some children are, are, are afraid of, of certain performers. And I have often come back with the, well, if the performer is shorter than your mommy, which normally I am, the child <laughs> is not afraid of me. <laughs> yeah true enough i think that's it yeah. too right they're not intimidated so. no not at all not at all they're not they're not afraid of you, two big strong men like you and i yeah. <laughs> so. but the the one thing yeah. i've often wanted to see when i see your performance and unfortunately i never have uh is i've never seen your puppet work wow yeah, yeah. so i don't know maybe i'm looking in the wrong direction uh you know so what kind of puppets do you have? Well, I have a, I have Chico. He's a, um, a little monkey and he's pretty much in just about every one of my shows. And I, I originally started off where he wasn't, but then I would show up somewhere and I would always have one child or another going, did you bring Chico? And I'd be like, Oh, you remembered his name. Do you remember my name? Um, <laughs> so he's, He's the star of the show now, and I'm just there to bring him along for it. But um, I do have also uh, Ralphie the Bear. I have uh, Buddy. And it all depends on what kind of a show I'm doing. So if I'm doing a no-bully show or um, a Halloween show, um, yeah. So it just kind of depends on the theme. Or if there might be a special okay. request as well, too. Oh, so they'll say, like, you know, when you're doing a, a, a private show, they'll say, make sure you bring the bear, and you'll definitely bring the bear. They'll ask, yeah, and they'll say, sure, you bet, and then we go with it. Okay. So you, you have th you mentioned three three puppets. Is that what you have, or do you, do you even have more than that? I have five, yeah. Oh, two, okay. of them, two of them I just um, haven't yet kind of figured out how to uh, put a routine together for them, so... And so when you're when you're doing the puppet, are you also doing a bit of ventriloquism or, or is it just straight you and the, the, the monkey? Yeah. Chico just talks to me. He'll whisper in my ear. And oh, okay. the um Sherman Sherman the Munster, he um he makes noises. <laughs> mm hmm Not uh he's 
Yeah, we don't know what language he's speaking in, but Buddy and Ralphie both speak, so a bit of ventriloquism so, in there. Yeah. But obviously, living in Lumsden, you're quite far away from lots of places. How, how much do you travel around Western Canada? I don't take as many. I don't, I don't actually get a lot of bookings or inquiries from too far out of uh, Saskatchewan. If I do, they're sort of around the borderline of Alberta or the borderline of Manitoba. But okay, I love traveling, especially in the summertime. I, um, I, I go out and um, build a library tour. Uh, this is the second year that I would have been doing it. So it probably isn't going to happen this year, but I've turned over everything into virtual shows. So there's going to be the virtual shows and the... Uh, what do they call them? The social distancing kind of shows as well, too. So, Right, right. So I understand some of those library tours, like you go away for a, a week and you do a day in, a, you know, a day in Saskatoon, a day in Prince Albert, a day in whatever. Is is that uh, how it's going to work for you or how it has worked in the past? It uh, it depends because I try to work, well, I do work with the with the libraries and coming up what's best for them. And um, mm-hmm. making sure that the days is you know good with them, so we try to aim at doing two, three shows in a day within a proximity or approximate you know distance from each other, so that it's possible to mm-hmm. do. And then I hit the road, and I'll do two, three a day for five, five days straight, maybe sometimes six, and then I'll take the day off, kind of come back home. Um, there might be a couple of days, and then back on the road to do it again, and and um, it's a lot of fun, a lot of traveling, but. You know, I, I've been taking my kids with me sometimes as well, too. And, and I, I, you know, I, I look back when I was a child and think, this would be the life, man, traveling around all the time. My kids, mm-hmm. no, no. no. <laughs> well, how old are your kids? One's 13 and the other one's 10. Okay. Yeah. So, so you, how old were you when you started entertaining? Uh, professionally, I was about 41. Oh really? Okay, because I I, uh, I I think I was thirty six when I when I handed out my very first business card. Huh. Well, yeah. see, there, there's advantages and disadvantages to starting late in life. One, the advantage is that we're older, so we're a little bit wiser. We've had a bit mm-hmm. more experience of life under our belt, so there's that. And of course, the disadvantage is, is that you start doing things when you're you know younger, you become more proficient at things and more skilled than that. But um, yeah, like for me, I mean, 50, you know, was starting off pretty late, but as I tell other, other magicians, I spent most of my life as a lay person. So 30 something mm-hmm. years as a lay person, having that experience and, and the knowledge of what it's like to be a lay person gives me the advantage of over what I think my audience is going to like. So you're saying that you, like, when you were 29 years old, we'll say, you weren't doing magic tricks just to impress random people? I I didn't start learning magic until I was probably about 38. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You see, that's the thing. Most people, you know, they, they have a, a talent, obviously, and then they just progress with that. And then, of course, what do you know? Before you know, they're making money. So you didn't learn a, a, a real magic trick till you were 38. Um, well, you know, other than the Maybe typical silly little tricks or card tricks that takes half the deck mm-hmm. to be able to finally reveal what card they picked or stuff like that. Right. No, 
I, I didn't until I saw the re-recording of, um, uh, yeah, I didn't have a, uh, David Blaine. You're having a mental, I was having oh, a mental okay. break there. Yeah. But David Blaine, after sure. I'd seen his uh, street magic show there, and mm-hmm. I had just thought, you know, you know, and I've heard some people even on the show, they're going, oh, he's got some kind of spiritual powers, and I'm an open-minded guy. Make fun of me, I don't care, but I'm an open-minded guy. Anything's possible as far as I'm concerned. So it just takes, yeah. you know, little checking. So I thought maybe, you know, I don't know, you know, let's take a look. I took a look, discovered it was just magic, and learned some uh, resources of where I could start learning magic, and that's how it happened there. But really had no direction as far as the magic. It was just this thing that I was learning because it was fun to learn. But when it came around to wanting to be an entertainer and going out and entertain, thank goodness that I'd spent two years learning the magic because I can't sing. I can't dance. I can't blow balloons without hurting my, uh, uh, I don't know what they call them there in the throats. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yep. I needed to do something. And I was just like, wow, magic. <laughs> you know, there's my hook. So, and then of course yeah, there's the puppets and the comedy. So that's why I don't really refer to myself as a children's magician. Um, I know people now are kind of referring themselves as a children's entertainer, but I, I don't, you know, for me, there's a reason why I refer to myself as a children's entertainer. And that's because I don't, I, I, I'm not specifically a magician. I'm not there mm-hmm. to like most times when they walk, you know, children, they see my show and the adults and stuff. There's things in my show. That's amazing. You know, I have to make sure that, you know, they know that I can do magic, but it's about the journey and the ride and the entertainment part all of in the package deal. So I'm not out to make them wander off and, and go, wow, that's the most amazing magic I ever saw. Mm-hmm. Whereas I want them to leave going, that was really fun. I really enjoyed myself. Well, that's one thing I definitely, uh, uh, I, ca- I can see that the crowds uh, feed off of your energy quite a bit. You're one of the entertainers that gets up there, smiles with a real smile. Uh, that's one thing i've noticed it's it's a yeah a real smile not uh, not my stage i'm up here and you know i'd rather be somewhere else but i have to smile you have the real smile uh there's someone you know you can tell that you're really having a good time up there Uh, have you ever did yeah did you ever think of getting into the adult uh magic the adult type shows i have and i don't want to do it it's it's not Mm -hmm. (laughs) i have no understanding of why i don't want to do it I am putting together a show which um, uh, somebody had approached me. So, and they thinking, well, why don't you try it? And we know you don't want to do it, but let's, let's, let's do it as a challenge kind of thing. Get you out of your comfort zone and put you in a position that you don't want to be in. But, and then when I said, okay, let's do it. Then it was no longer one of those things like, Oh, I'm doing something I don't want to do. So we're going to put a show together. I'm going to get it out of my system and uh, we've called it No Kids Allowed, but it's not like a vulgar show. It's not going to be vulgar. I, uh, you know, I'm still a children's exclusive entertainer. <laughs> so, uh-huh. you know, um, but it's going to, it's the reason why it's not for kids is because I want to bring the adults in because that's the challenge kind of thing. And so that's kind of been put on hold because of the whole uh-huh. COVID-19 thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously the, the COVID, uh, I assume it'll probably, you, you said it's canceled your library tour, but you're hoping to do a, a virtual tour. Is, is that, is that for sure? Or is that just what you oh, hope? Definitely for sure. I've been working on this for, I guess a month now. Um, 
because this is my, my full-time income. And uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, although some people can have fun going out and, and doing things right now for free and God bless them, you know, I mm-hmm. had to look at if I was going to start doing virtual shows, um, there's a lot of charitable work that I do for organizations. Uh, another big shout out to the Caring Hearts. Um, but so for me to do the virtual shows, I had to figure out a way to monetize it. And uh, it almost sounds kind of selfish, but it's because I, you know, I have to support my family too. And I didn't think it was well, going to be possible. So I've, uh, but, but for a couple of weeks. But and, you're able to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I decided to turn my living room upstairs into a studio. I've crash learned some things that I did not learn before. I relearned things that I thought I knew. So I have, uh, I've got a big mic here and the big green screen and behind me, the whole living room is really converted into a studio to do these virtual shows. So, and I've been so doing that. You will be, you, yeah, sorry, sorry you, you will be, you'll be live doing, doing those shows. Yes. Every, every part of it is live. Some people do recording bits and stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, the funny thing about what we're calling these shows, calling them virtual shows, they're really what a lot of people are doing is just doing online shows and just, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, so I'm trying to take advantage. I do children's shows. So I, again, I'm not about, you know, absolutely blowing these kids minds away with amazing magic. They've never mm-hmm. seen before as much as I am in entertaining them. So I'm taking advantage of certain tech, technical or, or tech technology stuff and video editing things and stuff like that to what I believe is the best that I can bring in this virtual magic show kind of thing without it being anything like my normal show so that these virtual shows stand out completely on their own and maybe they yeah, still continue that, that on afterwards. Be, yeah, that must be tremendously difficult for you because of how much you normally have kids like right beside you, helping you out, uh, you know, doing whatever the, the little helper does. Is that like a whole bunch of work to change it around without having a kid right beside you? It, well, you have to change it, the, the tricks that you're going to do, or at least how you're going to do them. But as far as interacting with the kids and stuff, like, there's like things that I've, I've learned with these doing these virtual shows for uh, two weeks now, a little over two weeks and got quite a few of them kind of under my belt here. One of the first things I, I learned right off the bat was a special contract. And that's because with these virtual shows, sometimes the client wants to run the zoom and they record them. So by recording wow. them, I'm not giving them that permission or legal rights to have that because it belongs to me. I know it sounds kind of strange, but I, I, you know, I don't know what these people are going to do. They're not going to think they're going to do something bad with it, but mm-hmm. that is, that is my property. So most times I try to do the zoom things and uh, we tried doing it like uh, a thing through Facebook. We didn't find that was as, 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 uh, as good. We've decided like I use the V mix and stuff like that and then go through the zoom there. And um, most times I try to be the one that presents the zoom as the host as well. So. Um, if, you know, birthday parties, they get the birthday, they, they get the recording that I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. So these workshops that I'm doing for the, actually another shout out there for the libraries and got a couple of workshops coming up, uh, online virtual magic workshops in July 6th and the 8th. And that's through the Regina library. 
So these other shows uh, that normally you'd be traveling around wherever, when do, when do they start? Uh, they usually start in July and okay. they go through August. And, um, but yeah, this year here, we're kind of still trying to figure out if, because if we did them virtually, of course, I wouldn't, one, have to travel, but two, wouldn't be doing multiple libraries in the one division. It would probably be like available for the whole Southeast libraries and then, uh, you know, the different branches that they have and rather than every single library having their own magic show or magic workshop with the uh, workshops for the Regina, that's how they're doing them. They're just going to have them register online in one place. And as soon as the classes become full, then they'll start adding more classes. If that made so any you sense. Would do, <laughs> yeah. So are you saying you would do multiple, you might do like two or three shows in Regina? Well, instead of doing 58 library shows, I'd probably end up only doing, if they were going to be virtual, I'd probably end up only doing seven for the different library. Uh, like I said, we got the Southeast Library. I can't think of them all right now. Palliser. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sure. So, yeah, so it would be but like cutting, one cutting back. Sorry, cut, cutting back from 58 or so to seven. That, yeah. that's, uh, that should hit the bottom line pretty hard, won't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. You know, it's it's not it's not the same thing, and I, I don't feel that. Um, I mean, it's like that's why I'm trying to create it so it's a completely different thing in itself, so that it has a unique value all by itself, where it's not a cheap alternative to my live shows. Hmm. So you you plan on like in in a year from now? Hopefully, we're all back to normal. We'll say. Uh, do you see yourself continuing to do this virtual show or will you just say, no, I just want to do the real live in front of the kids? If people, people, I'll keep it out there. And if somebody wants to do the virtual show, because it's, it's a no compare, it's a to- total different thing than, than uh, booking a, a live magic show. One, because of course, then the kids come up, but two, because of the graphics and animation stuff that's all involved in there and, um, you can't do on a stage unless I had a, a, you know, thousands of thousands of thousands of dollars to be able to do. So here I can do it and not have that uh, empty wallet. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'll definitely, you know, possibly still offer them. Even with the, the, the interesting thing with the workshops is that I've done online workshops before. So there's nothing really different with the virtual workshops. And with the library, uh, like my, my full workshops um, can run up to three hours and they can be taken out to three days, three different days. And, um, and of course, there's when I do one-on-ones with my workshops as well, too. So, um, so when you talk about a workshop, what exactly are you doing? I'm teaching the children uh, magic tricks that they can, they can do, but not just tricks. What I want them to learn is, is easy, kind of what we call slights. So that, um, and then of course, we'll use an object where they'll, you know, they'll learn how to vanish the coin and make it reappear somewhere else. But the technique that they'll learn, they can make a, a bottle cap vanish or a tiny ball vanish or maybe even a, a, an eraser or other objects other than the coin. So 
that's what I like to teach these kids. I know that at the age of six to 12, they're still young, but um, that way there, they, they, they boost their confidence and online. It's the same thing. I can see them work with them. Uh, it's, it's not as personal though. You know, I have to admit mm-hmm. it's not like there can be no hands on for me because I like the guy, the, you know, people in the group to um, team up afterwards. After I show them the magic trick, I show them how it's done. And then they, we go through it together and then I let them practice with each other in groups. So, and then there's other okay. things too. It's just a lot of fun. We have a lot of laughs and, you know, I'll bring in some, maybe a puppet, whatever. And, but these library shows for the Regina are only going to be a half an hour. So it's going to be more about, here's how this trick is kind of done and practice that one. Now we're going to move on <laughs> and hopefully mm-hmm. we'll be able to follow up with them later on. So. Yeah. Well, obviously this, uh, COVID is affecting everybody in the entertainment industry, that's for sure. It's interesting to hear how many people, yourself included, have uh, they're trying to switch over to uh, video or, or, you know, I guess video, Zoom, whatever you want to call it. That's what they're using, yeah. uh, you know, but that's how it is. Anyway, um, I guess we'll wrap it up quite, quite quickly here. So uh, I'd like to give a big thank you to Danny Kazam for joining the podcast today. I hope you all enjoyed this episode and please contact Danny for any of your entertainment needs. Thanks and have a great day.